Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I don't want to say all the cliches, but it really is wonderful to be here. Um, And overwhelmed, actually, just to see the kind of fruitfulness that God is giving this house and uh, this, this joy of ours is of um, getting older and still retaining friends from decades ago. I was a young man when I met Tony. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a young man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that first uh, meeting that we had at Sizzlers, Tony was asking if he could join this church to the movement I was part of at the time. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I felt, how can I say this to him? But our policy was, you can't join, you have to wait for three months. And I thought, man, that, that's going to be really insulting. And he, he just looked at me and he said, okay, three months. Well, when can I start giving finances to the movement you're part of? And I just thought, wow, we're going to go away a long way with this guy. The spirit of generosity. So, so I, I want to say this, that I really believe spiritually and prophetically that uh, this church is now in a season of elevation, a season of being exalted further in the credibility of the Father, a season of promotion, and a season where He will take you beyond measures that have been manifested in this city. Now, that sounds arrogant, but I can say it because, you know, I'm not a member of this church. But I really believe God is, is about to elevate you and take you higher. And so in this, uh, you know, when you get elevated and exalted, exalted by God, it is not to stroke our egos. It's not to flatter us. It's not to pander to any insecurities. It's because God believes you're ready and secure to handle an increase of profile. And the higher He takes you, the greater influence you have to serve more people. That's all it's about. It's about you can bring more fruitfulness to more people crying out to God. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Adelaideans who are calling out to an unknown God and crying out for some answers. And you know who He is. And He's real to you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is also your God. Amen. And He's our God. And it's Jesus said, I go to my father and your father. And he's the firstborn amongst many brothers. And so we who have been co-crucified with Christ, we have been co-buried with him. We've been co-raised to new life with him. We've been co-ascended with Christ. We are co-seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And we are co-equal heirs with Christ. We are one with the father as Jesus is one with the father. And it doesn't matter how at times you feel a little bit away from God or you don't know where the connection's there. The connection is never broken at all. In our spirits, we are one with Him all the time. Our minds take a little time to catch up, but we're always, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, nor length, nor breadth, nor demons, nor angels, nor future. No, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so it's in that security that the Lord comes to seasons and times. And they're like moments where there's an acceleration 
of his administration in a house. And you do not announce these things prematurely. And you do not announce these things to get people to like you. Because that's just been a good politician. And so, <laughs> so I'm saying this prophetically. That this church is, uh, is in a release of exaltation. And so in the next session, I'm not trying to invite you there, but the next session, I want to talk about how to handle offenses in a healthy way. Because when God's exalting you beyond measure, there comes, a, there comes a thorn in the flesh to try and buffet you with hardships, insults, and difficulties so that you get offended. But I, I'm giving you the whole message now. So, <laughs> so, so, so you see, the, the devil can't stop the blessing of God coming towards you because the blessing of God comes freely and unmerited merited through grace and it's just by faith so he can't stop that but what he can do is mess with our attitudes and so in offenses if we don't handle them healthy our attitudes get distorted and and a distorted attitude uh, uh, either cancels or perverts our capacity to receive the promotion and so that's why ever church is going to get promoted, the enemy wants to come and bring hardships, difficulties, yes. and insults, and weaknesses. Yes. And when we understand that, we're not threatened by that, and we know how to eliminate pain and offenses and confusion, then we continue with unabated, uninterrupted elevation to high and higher levels of favor and influence. Can you say amen? Yes. So you've got a summary of the next service. So quickly, let me tell you. <laughs> I want to talk today about uh, the enemy's coming after our confidence. Uh, because if he, if, he can, if he can corrupt our confidence or m- bring questions about our confidence, our capacity to keep receiving grace for increase in profile is also interrupted. Okay, so fear is an issue that God has never called us to live in. The Christian, we are not designed to live in fear. And the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and, and, and love and a sound mind. But I can tell you, I felt fear coming on me at times. But I know it's not from God. That's the big thing. If you think it's from God, you're in trouble. (laughs) Because you think, man, he's angry with me. He's after me. When my wife came milliseconds from death about two years ago, from a a giant aneurysm in her brain, I can tell you, I'm the man of faith. We've seen blind eyes open, deaf. We've seen people come out of wheelchairs. Even in Australia, we went on national television with a hopeless cripple get out of a wheelchair in one of our services. So I've seen those miracles. But when that surgeon in Hong Kong looked me in the eye and said, Mr. Rufus, your wife has a very large aneurysm in her brain. It's a giant, and we don't know if she can live, and it, she could die at any second. And when he said that to me, Mr. Faith started sweating from the top of my head. I felt the sweat running down the back of my bum all the way. Th- and it, it was only sweat. It was only sweat. <laughs> and, and I felt terror and fear. So ter- <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but I tell you what. And I, I just went home and prayed right through the night. Uh, oh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening with Tony. I fell off a stage in New Zealand. <laughs> I dived onto rocks in Sydney a week ago. So anyway. So it, it's not wrong to be afraid. It's just wrong to uh, agree with fear. Because yeah. yeah. fear is the result of a demonic lie. Yeah. It's not natural for your new creation nature to live in fear. 
Um, so fear can only come when we agree with a demonic lie. Is God, did God really say? That's the, that's the questions within the questions. To try and build a credibility gap between what God says about his goodness and then the devil wants to question and prosecute the goodness of God all in our head. And so the lie comes questioning the goodness of God. And when you believe that lie, that's when fear comes. Yeah. The fear is a sign somewhere Fear is a red flag that somewhere we have believed a lie. Yeah. And so there's no, Jesus says more than any other New Testament command, than any other command, do not fright. Do not be, do not be afraid. Do not fear. He says that the most. Do not be afraid. He's not saying that to condemn us. He knows that's the tactic of the enemy to bring fear because we're agreeing with a lie. And when we agree with a lie, then fear comes. When we agree with fear, we make an agreement with darkness and we invite an atmosphere of heaviness and unbelief and disillusionment and hopelessness like a spirit of heaviness that comes and rests upon our shoulders. And so when we agree with the truth, that evaporates and the atmosphere of heaven comes back over us. So in the Sunday night service, I want to talk about living with the power of the Spirit on us. Because what you're most conscious of, you will manifest. If you're most conscious of the spirit of this world or the spirit of fear, you will manifest that in your life. It'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You'll release it into your future. So what you're most conscious of, you most manifest. So we can live as believers in the new covenant with the tangible, supernatural, glorious wonder of the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who glorifies Jesus, manifest on us. Not just in us, but on us every day of our life. Can you say amen? amen. So, the Bible, so the enemy is after our confidence to cancel our capacity for promotion. And our promotion comes not just as a church, comes in your individual life, in your marriage, in your, with your children, comes in your career, in your office, it comes in your health, it comes in your finances, and it comes collectively as a corporate company, a community, a family, good victory church. Exaltation, promotion is being released in your midst. And confidence, the enemy wants to try and to steal, steal confidence. And, uh, I, you know, Hebrews 10.35, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Do not cast away your confidence, so it shall be greatly rewarded. Yeah. And I believe in rewards yeah. in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. David said, What do I get for killing this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, I, I mean, a wise man says, I'm not going out to fight that guy. There's no incentives. And, and the, the church has to realize, man, there's incentives for taking risks. And there are some uh, people that um, preach, I don't know how to say it, preach grace. They kind of say there's no rewards. Hey, that's not true. The, the New Testament's full of the offers of rewards and incentives. And so I want to deal with fear. I want to deal with offenses. And I want to walk in the Spirit. And I want to be faithful because I don't want my capacity to receive more grace to be canceled or clogged up because I have allowed fear on my life or I've allowed uh, offenses to come on my life or I've allowed the Spirit of the world to come on my life. I want to live free from fear. I want to live in confidence every day. And I want to live with the supernatural of heaven on my shoulders every day. Yeah. Come on. Can you say amen or a woman? And so, and so, First John 4, John says, um, perfect love casts out fear. <clears throat> and so, it, he also says this, when perfect love is cast out fear, you can have confidence on the day of judgment. 
Now, I want to give you a simple, like about a, a 20 minute quick synopsis trip through the most basics of the gospel that every one of you have heard. Yeah. But I just want to say it today in the context of what I've just said, because I really believe it's going to come with a rich, catalytic type activation. This is going to release a new eruption of confidence. Confidence confidence the devil is always after your confidence if he takes away your confidence you're finished man there's so many people living on this planet that should not have lost their confidence they have every reason to be confident it's not how much intelligence or even skill you have it's how much confidence you have when you're confident you'll find the skill you'll find the talent you'll find the way you'll find the opportunity but if you're confident and confidence begins with well-being the gospel brings a well-being. It's well with my soul. No condemnation. My Father loves me. You know? And so when you have well-being in your soul, the fruit, the byproduct of that, the outcome of that is you get confidence. And when you've got confidence, your personality blossoms. Your personality, no one will see your personality until you've got confidence. And the only way you'll have confidence is because you've got well-being from the good news of the gospel. And when your well-being produces confidence, produces a liberated personality. And when you have a liberated personality, you have a sense of direction in your life. And when you have a sense of direction, you have a sense of consistency. And when you build consistency over years, then you develop a culture of winning, an ability to win. And when you develop that, you develop an ability to just stay faithful year after year your decade and faithfulness is rewarded so if you lose any confidence or your personality or your sense of direction or your sense of consistency or your ability to win don't try and pump up an ability to win go back to well-being go back to reflecting on the gospel go back to how good God loves you if God before you who can be against you and that well-being just rises up and you feel so sure. So here we go, quickly. And if the enemy can insert a question into your mind, how secure is your walk with God? Now, I believe we are God's, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus yeah. unto good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do. So I believe working in grace, I believe there are works that are birthed by faith, the obedience of faith. I believe that we, God's calling us to step out boats, out of comfort zones, take risks because of faith. And, and if we make mistakes, hey, Jesus will bring us back to the boat, but at least we walk for a little while. Yeah. You know, you can get back in the boat and give Thomas a slap and say, at least I, at least I walked. <laughs> you know, better to, you know, sink walking on the water than die boredom in the boat. I mean, it, you know, it's, 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 almost, it's almost better to drown trying to walk on water, not quite. <laughs> but and I, if you, if Peter walked for a little while. I don't know how many people walked on the water, but Peter did. Sure, he sank, but it's better to die trying to walk, walk on the water than die sitting in the religious boat with boredom. You know, a lot of people are becoming depressed and suicidal because they just simply bored Christians. Because they're not getting active in the purpose and the plan of God and investing into t eternity. And that we live with a consciousness of eternity. And that there's this accountability. Everything I've done, I'm going to be evaluated in eternity one day. Did I finish my race? It's not an option to go, this is getting tough. I'll give up. Yeah. No, no, no. When we stand as believers before the throne, it's not a judgment as to whether we're going to heaven or hell. If you're in Christ, your guarantee is heaven. So I'm not interested in about, well, I'm afraid I could go to hell. No, what, what, I, what I want to be sure of is when I stand there, he says, Rob, everything I signed you to do, you did it. Yes. You obeyed me. And I gave you resources 
resources, and the more you obeyed me, I gave you promotion. Yeah. Then I exalted you. You dealt with offenses. You dealt with fear. You dealt with lack of confidence. You got that back, and you lived in my spirit, and you fulfilled everything I've told you to do. Yeah. How, how many of you would rather be like Paul, say, I'm ready to be poured out, man. All I'm waiting for now is that crown that's waiting for me. That's how I want to finish my life. So the issue is... It, the basis of confidence to, to, to get out of boat and walk on the water, and even if you sink, that you don't get destroyed and feel, oh, I failed God. The basis of confidence to live confidently has to be this, that in justification, that in being made right with God, is it 100% God's responsibility or 100% our responsibility? Because that's very important. Because let me say this, I believe on the issue of justification, the other areas of partnership where you partner with God. But on this issue, He did it outside of you before you were born. It's extrinsic. It happened outside of you. So it had nothing to do with you. See, if justification, be made right with God, was based on God doing 98% or 99%, and you had to do 1% to close the gap, in that 1%, the devil would exploit prosecuting legal ability that would keep you in a subconscious or low level, kind of in the back of your mind, a haunting, nagging feeling, have I covered that 1%. Yes. And every believer in Christ, like my brother said, Mar Morris, what, what's it? Ashley. 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 <laughs> Why well, he said we <laughs> Morris, from today thou shalt be called in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> God bless you, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> stop laughing so much you're interrupting my time <laughs> no it's good it's good you know I think I think the gospel is really meant to be really 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 good for us I think it's, it's meant to be able to carry us through the most horrific yes. things. Yes. Paul the Apostle was traumatized. He's beaten up, shipwrecked, put in prison. Not, not for crimes, but for preaching Jesus. Yes. Absolutely whipped and stoned and left for dead. And, I mean, this is unbelievable. He, sa he says, these momentary light afflictions are storing up for me an eternal weight of glory. So I do not look on what is seen, but I look on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Subject to change. Brief yeah. burp in eternity called planet project earth. Yeah. But what is not seen is eternal. Never subject to change. So are we living to a temporary fickle world on, that is subject to change and has no everlasting yeah. realities? Fashions come, kingdoms come, politicians come, philosophers come and go. But the kingdom of God is from everlasting yes. to everlasting. Amen. And we are part of an unshakable kingdom. We're not part of a religion. We're not part of some, you know, cerebral intellectual idea or concept philosophically about a religion. We, uh, Jesus, our high priest, has gone through the curtain and has anchored our soul in eternity. Not just your spirit. He anchored your soul, your yes. psychology, and your emotions. He's anchored your soul beyond the curtain in the immutable eternal realm that is unchanging. So we who live in a, in a changing world of fickleness and, and, and all kinds of, 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 of subtle influences, we're anchored in an eternal realm. Yeah. And we're focused on eternity. We're focused on finishing the race. Yes. And He will exalt us and give us more promotion. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. And so there can be no confidence 
at all in our works to justify us. If we do that, we will open a door for the enemy to just go, I'm going to exploit that, and you'll live with a low-level questioning, self-introspection, self-analysis, paralysis of an analysis. Am I good enough? I failed there. Oh, does God still love me? Man, before time began, the Bible says he loved you and in love predestined you to be adopted and highly esteemed in his son. So the question of love, it's got nothing to do with the time-space world. He made that decision to love you perfectly before time began. So let's just, if we, I don't know if we have those scriptures, Galatians 3, uh, Galatians 2. Now, I, I don't know about you, but people say women repeat themselves a lot, but I think I do a lot as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and ladies, when people say you repeat yourselves a lot, you've been very complimented because God repeats himself a lot. And in one verse, when God says something three times, it's about faith, not by works, then you know that God wants you in one verse to absolutely get this and never question this again. It's 100% God's responsibility to justify you. And it is not your responsibility. You have other responsibilities in moving on in Christ, but this is the foundation you must always move on. This is the foundation of your well-being. That it's not anything to do with you. Even if you make mistakes, don't fall into condemnation. Fall into his arms and get up and keep going, all right? Because this is what gives you well-being. When condemnation comes, go back to this verse, okay? And be sure that God sees you in Christ permanently. So look at this. Let's read it together. I don't know if you guys read it out loud or not, but if you, whatever you do, I'm going to read it out. Galatians 2.16. Notice, notice God repeating himself here. Like just in case you didn't hear the first time, I'll tell you second time, the third time. I don't know if he thinks we're dumb or what either. I don't know. Maybe he thinks we're dumb, but no, it's not that. It's because he doesn't think we're dumb. He just wants us to be reassured. All right. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by the faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Three times, man. That's pretty laying it on. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, 3 to 9, one, two, three, go if you want. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming... Oh, we got a double expression. (laughs) I think the printers really reinforced the truth there. (laughs) Next verse. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's pretty clear, isn't it? All right. Religion would make people think that the gospel has just offered us forgiveness. And I promise you, 
Forgiveness is wonderful, but the gospel is far superior to that. Yes. It is far more superior to that. You know, for carrying, going through life, knowing, man, I've sinned so badly, but the Lord's so good, He gave me forgiveness. It yeah. condemns you to live under stigma of a sense of I'm a stinker, but I got forgiven, and God's tolerating me. And that is not what this Bible is saying. The word justification yeah. is the word decayo. It's a, the Greek word for justification is the word decayo. And it means much more than forgiveness. When you're justified by faith, you were decayo. And so it, let me give you this quickly, and I'm nearly finished. In a, in, in this is a true case. Because a lot of the Greek words in the New Testament that we think are religious words, they were secular words at the time. The word baptism, baptismo, was, was what insurance would use for ships that would go down in the sea. They were baptismo. It wasn't a second. The word gospel was a Greek word for if someone came and sounded like they were exaggerating about something that sounded so good, they would say, oh, you're just speaking the gospel because it sounded too good to be true. Wow. That was a secular word. And the, the Bible said, we'll take that word for the, for the good news of Jesus Christ. Baptismo, uh, they would take a cloth and dip it into dye, and the whole fabric would change a different color. They call that baptisma. When you're baptized in the Spirit, you hold, oh, you, something changed. You're saturated with God. You get saturated with God, you know. So, so uh, decayo was a, was a legal term that um, if someone went to a court of law and they were accused of doing something terrible, and the family uh, brought the, the charge against them, and if in the process the case became very evident, the person was guilty, and then the judge would, uh, would say, you are guilty. And just before sentence, the judge would say to the family, do you have anything to say to me before I serve or announce the sentence? And if they get up and say, uh, your honor, uh, we thank you for a great trial. We thank you justice has been served, but we want to forgive the accused. We just wanted justice, but now we forgive the accused. He can go free. Justice is okay. You're forgiven. And the, and, the, and the accused walks out the court forgiven, but with his shoulders hanging over with a sense of a stigma. Yeah. I've been exposed in the community as doing a vile crime, and I'm forgiven. But he's got to live with that for the rest of their life. But if you shift that scenario around, same person, but this different scenario. As they investigate the case, try to prosecute the case, it becomes reasonable beyond all reasonable doubt all the evidence shows the person wasn't even in the country at the time of the crime they absolutely are innocent they're absolutely clean they have nothing to do with the charge the judge gets up slams the gravel down and says, i declare you decayo you are innocent and the person walks out the court of law with his shoulders up no stigma he is not forgiven he is innocent that's what justification means so what you see in Tigrins 5:21, the bible says that of jesus he was made to be sin with our sin he was made to be sin so that we could be made the righteousness of god in christ jesus now just think about the power of the cross, that great exchange. So simple. I know this yeah. is so basic, but I live with it. Every day I remind myself of these things. Every day I put well-being in my soul to, re to keep confidence going higher. Every day I think, my goodness me, how is Jesus made sin? When a Christian goes, I cannot believe. What's the time? I cannot believe that, that I am the righteousness of God. Now, it didn't say 
You're sort of righteous. You have the righteousness of God. You are co-equal heir with Christ. That means you have a co-equal standing before the Father. You are as righteous in the Father's eyes as Christ is. You say, oh, I can't believe that. Look at my behavior. How can I be the righteous? How could I be made the righteousness of God? Hey, for me, the more difficult question is, how could the perfect innocent one, Jesus, be made my vile sin? How did, how did Jesus become sin? By sinning? No. He didn't become sin by sinning. He never sinned once. He was tempted in all ways, yet never sinned once. What an awesome last Adam, second man, our federal head representing us as our high priest. What a wonderful, never sinned once. How did he, how, he didn't just carry us in, friends. On the cross, he was made us sin. How did he become sin? By sinning? No. He was given the free gift of all of our collective sin from beginning of time to the end of time. He was made it. Just as if he had sinned his whole life. Just as if he had been guilty. And And he was punished for our peace. Anytime any believer has something bad happen to them, never believe the religious lie. They were punished by God. No, Jesus was punished fully in our place so we can have peace with God. How did we get the gift of righteousness? By our acts and behavior of righteousness? We just heard 100% over and over again. It's not by any works that we've done, but by faith in Jesus Christ. How did we get the gift of righteousness? The Father took all Jesus' obedience, all of his performance, and credited it to our account. So we stand the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it's just as if we've never sinned, but it's more than that. It's just as if we've always obeyed. When you stand before the Father, that's how you stand before the Father. So two minutes unclosed. The Bible uses these distinctions, different scriptures that we could go into, but you've got it already. We have a position in Christ and we have a a condition. (laughs) Our position in Christ and our current condition is very different. We have a status. We have a status in Christ, righteous forever. We have a state that we have to live with every day. Amen? And so in our position... We are permanently righteous in Christ. Justified, innocent, permanently. Okay. In our condition, our behavior doesn't look like our position, our status. Our state of behavior doesn't always look like our status. A state over here, a current, like we got dogs that bark very much in Hong Kong and very noisy, and when I'm jet lagged and they bark and bark and bark, you would think I'd lost my salvation. <laughs> I, I, I'm a pastor of a church, I travel to nations, speak to thousands, but for, for that moment when I'm jet lagged and that, it's like you would think I'm demon possessed, like the wild man of Gadarenes would look tame compared to me. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, I run out with my big African stick, and I run up to this where this dog's bark at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he runs at the fence, and I stick my stick right through the fence and hit him right in the chest. And he can't speak English because he's got Chinese owners. But I, I just... <laughs> 
so I, I just stick my, I stick the stick through the, as he's running the fence, I just stick the stick through it and hit him in the chest and go, go to the back in Jesus' name. And he swung on his tail and ran to the back. And he once had to do that. Then he boxed during the day. I go up on my rooftop and say, go to the back in Jesus' name. He just swings, runs to the back because he feels now my stick can reach him anywhere. <laughs> and that's how you need to deal with the devil. And I love dogs, by the way. But when I do that, I go back and I say, God, yeah, am, I, am I really saved? I mean, I'm I mean, that's really horrible. You know, that was, I can't believe it. The owners are quite nice as well. I hope they didn't see me. And, <laughs> and that's my condition and that's my state. Thank God I don't always behave that way, but don't ask Glenda how much I behave that way because she'll just tell you the truth. But, but honestly, but you've got to get to know this. This is the New Testament. It's a better covenant based on better promises with superior promises. It's much better. My condition, my state, my father doesn't relate to me here. He relates to me on the basis of my position, my condition. He doesn't relate to me on the basis of my performance. He relates to me on the basis of Jesus' performance on my behalf. Now, the more I believe this and I relate to my father from this place, then my condition becomes more and more closer to approximate my position. My state, by sanctification, becomes more and more like my status. But the the law will never, never shift you from here to here. And so you need to live out of your position. You need to live out of your status in Christ. And you will never lose your confidence. You will have confidence on the day of judgment. Now, if you're outside of Christ, this has got nothing to do with you. If you're outside of Christ, you're an object of ultimate wrath. But the love of God's reaching out to every person. God wants everyone to believe the good news, repent and receive Christ in order to be saved. You must believe and repent to be saved. But if you're in Christ, this is where your permanent position, anchored in your soul to your great high priest. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.